the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know what Habakkuk's problem is? God, why are you silent when I pray to you and why are you inactive? Why are you indifferent to my prayers? Why are you indifferent to the situation in Israel? Habakkuk looked out across his world and his little world was Judah and he saw sin and destruction and violence and contention. He saw that the law of God was disregarded. There was no legal protection for innocent people. Someone has said the righteous were locked up and the wicked vigilantes had thrown away the key. And Habakkuk, being a godly man, a righteous man, a man who was sensitive to sin, looked around them and, and literally, he said, the law is paralyzed. That's what he means. Disregard, literally, in the Hebrew, means it's numb. The law is numb. Nobody cares. Do you wonder why the wicked seem to prosper while decent people struggle? I think just about every honest person contends with that issue. If God is both powerful and good, why do good people suffer at the hands of bad people? The kingdom of Judah had a prophet who wondered that very thing, and he asked God about it. Today on Verse by Verse, we will begin a series of lessons taking us through all three chapters of the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher each weekday as we study God's Word one verse at a time. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. There is a story about a socialist who came to see Andrew Carnegie. He was soon railing against the tycoon about the injustice of one man having so much wealth, while most of the world has very little. He thought the money should be divided equally. Carnegie asked a secretary to find out how many people were in the world and, in the meantime, he checked to see what was his net worth at the time. When he had all the facts, he told his secretary, give this man 16 cents. That is his share of my wealth. We all want justice, but when it comes, it is not a pleasant thing. As we study Habakkuk and his conversation with God these next several days, we will see that. But we will also see, as we move on, that God gave Habakkuk and us reason to rejoice. Here's Pastor Steve with our lesson. In a recent edition of a national newspaper, there were these articles. It's an article that concerned the prostitute who sold her sordid story to a magazine for $500,000. She was rich based on her sin. There was a story about a policeman who was accused of raping a 16-year-old girl. It's a story about hostages who were held against their wills in a Middle East nation. There's no question about it. We live in a sin-sick world. And we can go on and on with many stories. And we look around us and we wonder sometimes why... Does God allow these types of things to go on? Why doesn't he just uh, exercise his power and eliminate this kind of stuff? But this kind of stuff exists as current events and horrible stories. In fact, it is depressing to listen to the, the local news each night. 
No matter what station you turn to, something horrible is going on. And in fact, these things don't just exist, but they're on the rise. They're escalating. Immorality, terrorism, injustice, violence, perversion, perversion you, you can't even talk about. Drugs, these are escalating. These are the pre prevailing behavior patterns of our day. And anyone who believes that God is righteous has to look around and honestly ask some questions. Why, God? Why you who are holy and can't even look upon evil with favor, allow this stuff to go on? Why don't you just do something and clean up this mess? God, I've got a real problem. I've got a real problem with trying to reconcile your righteous character with the wickedness I see around me, especially wickedness in the church. I can handle it a little bit easier when it's in the world. But I have more difficulty handling it when it's in the church, especially when it claims to be long to you. Why, God, you who say you are righteous and I believe that, why do you allow this kind of garbage to take place in your church. If you've ever been honest enough, honest enough with God to raise these questions to him in prayer, then you should know that you are not alone. You are not alone because twenty six hundred years ago, there was a Jewish prophet named Habakkuk. And Habakkuk looked around him, uh, look around, looked around his world, looked around in the nation that God had placed him in, the nation of Israel. And he cried out saying, why, God, I don't understand about the wickedness going on. I can't reconcile some things. You see, if you've ever asked questions like that, you're in good company. Habakkuk was a prophet. And 600 years before Christ was born into this world, he looked around and he had some some of the very same questions that thinking people have today. Habakkuk's con confusion and his personal struggle over the mysteries of God's ways have been recorded for us in an Old Testament book, which is named after him. We call it Habakkuk. Some people call it Habakkuk. Uh, I would prefer the the uh, pronunciation of Habakkuk. And I'd like you to turn to the book of Habakkuk. I'll tell you how to find it rather than going forward. Just go back. Go turn to to Matthew in your New Testament. Everyone, just about everyone should know where Matthew is. Then go back from Matthew. You'll see Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Then go back further. You'll see Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, and then finally Habakkuk. Only three chapters, but what chapters they are. The book of Habakkuk. You should not have any difficulty really finding it if you follow that pattern. It is a unique book. The book of Habakkuk is unique among Old Testament prophetic books. Let me explain something. You had two main characters in the Old Testament in terms of, of Israel. You had a priest and you had a prophet. Now, there are others, too. There's a king and things of, of that nature, leadership. And there were elders in Israel and so forth. But you had a priest and you had a prophet. Now, the priest represented the people before God. The priest represented the people before God. On the other hand, the prophet represented God before the people. And the prophet's basic role was to stand before the people as God's representative and to declare God's message to them. Most of the time, 
the message was a message of judgment. Not all the time, but most of the time it was a message of judgment. That is the normal function of a prophet. He declared God's message to his people. However, Habakkuk was not a normal prophet. Habakkuk dialogued with God. Much of the book is a conversation between Habakkuk and God. And he didn't speak to God. Uh, he didn't speak rather for God to the people. Instead, he spoke to God about the people. Not only that, Habakkuk dialogued with God concerning his method of divine judgment. In other words, he didn't directly announce divine judgment, though in, a, in an indirect way he did. Habakkuk instead had a problem with the ways of God in dealing with judgment. And so the book is really, uh, for the most part, a dialogue between God and Habakkuk. It's unique. It's different. The book of Habakkuk is centered around solving a problem rather than really delivering a message, although it does deliver a message in an indirect way. But he's he's confused. He needs a problem solved. But in the process of watching Habakkuk solve his problem, really God solving it for Habakkuk, we're given truths that help us deal with those unsolvable struggles and problems that we go through. That's why this is such a great book. Those seemingly unsolvable problems of life, which so confuse us and so perplex us and so depress us, Habakkuk had one of those. And the book is really designed to help us to know how to deal with those unsolvable problems, especially as they relate to God and his ways. We don't know anything about the prophet Habakkuk except what we learn from him about him in his little book. He's an Old Testament Jewish prophet in Judah. Now, understand, Judah is the southern kingdom. The kingdom of Israel was divided after Solomon and the northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom is called Judah. The northern kingdom went into exile uh, before the southern kingdom. And so you have this prophet Habakkuk who's in Judah during the last days of the southern kingdom. His book was probably written about 607 B.C., just before Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians sent Judah into exile. In fact, they devastated Judah. They, they captured her. They destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. That's the historical setting, about 607 B.C. There are many legends about Habakkuk. Rabbinical legends and speculations abound concerning this man. But all we know about him for certain, not legends and not speculations, and I'm not even going to bore you or even interest you in those things. They're, they're not important. But all that we really know about him comes from this book. We don't know a great deal about him, but that's all right. That's enough. That's enough. What we know about him is enough because understand that the focus of his book is not to give us a biographical sketch of the prophet. It's really irrelevant who his mother and father were, who he might have been married to. What really the the uh, the history in his past was, that's that's really uh, unimportant. But what is important, and it's the focus of the book, is to take us through the process of resolving an inner conflict so that the end result is triumphant faith and an attitude of joyful trust and confidence. Now, I want you if you get this, you'll get the book. 
at least the gist of it. While it is not a direct message to Israel, it is a message about judgment coming to the nation. I want you to look at the first verse of the first chapter. In my version, it says this, and I use the New American Standard Version. It says this, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. That word oracle in the Hebrew language could also be translated burden. It is literally a burden. And what does he mean by this? It's an oracle that means a burden because it's a heavy message. It's a heavy message because it announces the judgment of God using the Babylonians to to capture and deal with Israel and its coming invasion. So it is a good way of understanding the oracle and the burden is to put it together. It's a heavy message of judgment. God gave Habakkuk insight and prophetic insight, insight that no man has today because we don't speak by inspiration. We don't have this kind of insight. We don't have this kind of revelation to us or inspiration. But to Habakkuk, it was a heavy message because it announced Babylon's coming invasion. And the purpose of the book is, to, and I would write this down, this will help you, it's to give hope and encouragement to Israel in the face of the horror to come. In other words, Judah could have the same, the, the nation of Judah could have the same triumphant attitude as Habakkuk. She could work through Habakkuk solving his problem and she could arrive at the same victorious conclusions as the prophet. So the prophet, in a sense, is representative. The prophet is is one who we learn from how God brought him through his struggles become uh, becomes an encouragement to us. It becomes an encouragement to you how to work through those struggles, how to be honest with God. It was in its historical setting. It was a great it offered great hope and encouragement to the nation, which was facing a horrendous judgment. Uh, let me put it to you in, in 20th century terms. Let's say I announced by prophetic insight, which I could never do that, but just by the sake of illustration, that in 30 days, the Soviet Union is going to invade us. And what's more, they're going to be successful. They're going to bomb our major cities. In fact, if you're not killed, you folks who are here this morning, they're going to put hooks through your jaw and they're going to march you back to Russia. You'll have to go on a boat and they'll march, march you there and they'll humiliate you and they'll strip you naked and you'll you'll not be in your pretty homes and you won't have your two cars. And that's your hope and that's your future. You need to you need some help in working through that problem. That's a real problem. That's a serious problem. Well, Habakkuk was told basically that. And he's got a real problem with God's ways. He's got a real problem with what's happening. In fact, his whole nation has a real problem. But God's going to solve that problem. God's not going to take away the invasion, but he's going to solve the problem. And if you know how to work through the horrendous situations and, and seemingly unsolvable mysteries of life, you should arrive at the same conclusions that Habakkuk arrived at. So you see, Habakkuk is really an illustration for Judah to copy, and he's an illustration for us to copy, too. He goes through it for us so that we might learn from him. Someone has said that this book is the book which opens with a sob and closes with a song. I like that. 
opens with a sob and it closes with a song. One of my favorite expositors, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, has a little book on Habakkuk and he calls it From Fear to Faith. And that's great because that, that indicates what we're talking about here. From fear to faith. From struggle to arriving at great confidence. I call Habakkuk the, the prophet who's struggling. In fact, I call this series a profile of a struggling prophet. For the next few weeks, we're going to examine how Habakkuk grappled with his problem and how God graciously dealt with the prophet and allowed him to arrive triumphantly in faith at the end. And as we're privileged to sit in on this dialogue between Habakkuk and God, that's really what we're doing. We are nosy people and we are sitting in on a dialogue between a prophet who lived 2,600 years ago and God, and yet it is as relevant for us today as it has ever been. And we're going we're gonna to hopefully work through some of our doubts and fears and theological struggles, and uh, that's what we have in front of us. Now, if you're taking notes, I have tried to make this outline as simple and, and as, uh, as direct as it possibly could. There are three chapters in this book. I think if you understand this outline, you'll get a handle on the book. Chapter 1 deals with the struggle of the prophet. In fact, there are two struggles. So you could say the struggles of the prophet, plural. Chapter two deals with the solution for the prophet. God's going to give him a solution. He's struggling. He's got a problem. God says, here's the solution. And chapter three is going to deal with the song of the prophet. It actually is in the Hebrew language, a song. That's why the book starts with a sob and ends with a song. That's right. It is a song that he sings as he rejoices and responds to God with triumphant praise and prayer and, and great faith. So let's begin this morning. And we want to cover the whole chapter, the struggle of the prophet. Everybody has problems. Even prophets have problems. And the prophet Habakkuk had a big one, a major one. It reminds me a few years ago, there was a television program about a detective named Columbo, one of my favorite silly characters. Detective Columbo, and I know you're giggling as you probably saw that silly show like I did, and his job, and he was really in, in Jewish circles, we would call him a shmagegi, you know, just kind of a klutz, but he always arrived at the right conclusion. However, Columbo's job was to gather all the information about a murder. He was supposed to figure it out and put it together and solve the mystery of who did it. And inevitably, as the facts were coming in and they started to roll in, he would pause. And every week he, he would put his fingers, his head to his hand to his head. And he'd say, you know, I've got this problem. I knew it. I, every week it was coming. I've got this problem. Why? What he was saying was the pieces don't fit. It didn't fit halfway through the show, by the way. At the end of the show, it always fit. But he, it, something was troubling him. Someone told him this, but that couldn't rec he couldn't reconcile that with that. So, so Detective Columbo had a problem. Well, Habakkuk is the Columbo of the Old Testament. He's troubled. He's got a problem. He's confused because he can't quite put the pieces together. And let me show you as we begin this book. Verses 2 through 4, you'll see his first problem. He's got more than one problem. How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and thou wilt not hear? I cry out to thee, violence, yet thou dost not save. Why dost thou make me see iniquity, and cause me to look on wickedness? 
Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. You know what Habakkuk's problem is? God, why are you silent when I pray to you and why are you inactive? Why are you indifferent to my prayers? Why are you indifferent to the situation in Israel? Habakkuk looked out across his world and his little world was Judah. And he saw sin and destruction and violence and contention. He saw that the law of God was disregarded. There was no legal protection for innocent people. Someone has said the righteous were locked up and the wicked vigilantes had thrown away the key. And Habakkuk, being a godly man, a righteous man, a man who was sensitive to sin, looked around them and, and literally he said the law is paralyzed. That's what he means. Disregard literally in the Hebrew means it's numb. The law is not. Nobody cares. Now, remember, this is God's covenant people. This is not America. America is not God's covenant people. This was the this was the nation of Israel. This was Judah. This was God's people who were chosen to be holy. And Habakkuk looked around and he and, and he saw that the wicked prospered and the righteous suffered. And he, and he said, God, I don't understand. This was a bad scene in Judah. And he had he says in verses two through four, how long, O Lord, how long before you're going to answer my prayer? I've been praying and you're not answering. In fact, in verse two, he says at the end of verse two, I cry out to the violence. Literally, it means I scream. I'm crying out. I'm not having a little quiet time here in my in my prayer closet. I am literally screaming out and you are not answering. And that bothers me. He's got a major problem with the silence of God. He's been praying for a long time for God to judge his people, for God to deal with the situation. I take it that he means also revive us because revival should always come after judgment when you're Israel. And finally, he just can't stand it anymore. And, and he just erupts as a volcano and he cries out. He says, how long, how long, Lord, do I have to pray before you'll answer me? He is struggling with God's silence and inactivity. And he's struggling over why God would allow wickedness to prevail in a nation that was chosen to be holy. And I want you to know Habakkuk's got a good point. He's not being irreverent. He's not being an unbeliever. He just asked God, why? Why do you remain silent? I think it's a legitimate question. Why do you seem indifferent to Israel's sins? He's just being honest. I'm sure you can identify with Habakkuk's frustrations. We live in one of the worst moral cesspools in all human history, and yet it looks like God has closed his eyes to our situation. How much longer will he delay making the world right again? Obviously, we can't give a concrete answer to that question. But we can know that he will bring justice at exactly the time he ordained before the beginning of history. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. We are just beginning a series of lessons from the book of Habakkuk. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you find yourself in the Clearwater area on a Sunday, I hope you will consider visiting Lakeside. I know Pastor Steve would be delighted to meet you. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road, halfway between US-19 and the beaches. 
Verse by Verse is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you. If you've been blessed by these radio Bible classes, I hope you will ask the Lord if he would like you to support this outreach. You can get more information at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also have today's class and many previous ones available for download, or you can stream today's class and listen to it online. We have available CDs and cassettes with entire messages, minus the announcements. If you would like to order one, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and phone number if you get the answering machine. We will call you back during regular office hours. Warren Wearsby told about helping some friends paint their house. The friends had a little black dog who would come to the back door and bark until someone let him out. One day, Wearsby was there all alone, painting outside near the back door and heard the dog barking to be let out. He barked all day, and it never entered his little brain that it was useless because no one was home to let him out. Do you sometimes feel like that little dog? Does it seem like God isn't home and your prayers are no more effective than the barking of a little black dog? When that happens, we usually make a choice. Either we turn from God or we turn to Him. God knows what is on our minds and in our hearts. He is simply waiting for us to be honest about our anguish over His silence. Let's come back here for the next verse by verse and see what we can learn about dealing with those feelings. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden. here to give you strength between three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.